So in the next three weeks, uh, on the school holidays, we're going to be doing a short series on this book, which I've just started reading, uh, the book of Haggai. Over the years, from time to time in my preaching, I've decided to do a spotlight series on what I call, the, which I call, I didn't even know that was in the Bible. Uh, this is a series where I look at some of the very minor or forgotten books of the Bible, and I've had some interesting times over the years doing this. So, of course, most people know about the Bible. You know about the Psalms, people know the Gospels and what they are, Book of Revelation, Genesis, those sorts of things. But there are small books in the Old and New Testament that even people who've been Christians for quite a long time sometimes have never even read or don't know anything about at all. But they can be hidden gems, and I think Haggai is one of these. Uh, many of you might not know, of course, that there is a book called Haggai in the Bible. It takes up uh, just three pages uh, in my Bible, so if you have a Bible with those really thin pages that tend to skip, uh, you know, stick together, you could flip past it for years without even noticing that it was there. So, look, let's just spend a few weeks slowing down then and spending time with this little book and see why it is in the Bible. I think it has some things to say to us. So Haggai, as uh, Anne introduced to us, was a prophet who had a ministry in Israel in the period after the return uh, from the exile in Babylon, around the same time as the prophet Zechariah, who has a, a longer book in the Old Testament. We don't know a lot about Haggai apart from that. For those who are not aware of that part of history, so in the 6th century, uh, the Babylonian Empire conquered Jerusalem and took a lot of the Jewish people away to exile, which was a terrible time for their people. But in the decades following, uh, particularly under the Persian Empire, uh, some of them were allowed to come back and to rebuild their city and uh, start again. And you can read about that time in particular in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. And this time of rebuilding was a very difficult time for Israel. It was really easy for them in the midst of their difficulty to forget their sense of mission and purpose uh, in coming back and what they thought God was calling them to do because it was so hard. And so they often found themselves lapsing into familiar problems that had existed before the exile and not moving forward with God's purposes. And there was a lot of discouragement about how things were going uh, in Jerusalem. And, you know, imagine if you can what it was like at that time. Imagine being in a period of history when there's a lot of conflict in society, uh, when there's a big separation between those who are rich and those who are poor, when the government leaders seem to be very self-interested uh, and they don't seem to know what they're doing, uh, and it's hard to find a house to live in that doesn't need renovations and you can afford. Just imagine being in a time like that. I know it's really hard. Um, of course it's not. This is the time that they were in. So in this period, we do find a number of prophets who came. They had messages from God to the people of Israel of the time to encourage and direct them. And Haggai is one of those prophets. And Haggai's particular focus was on the effort to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, which was the major uh, reconstruction project in this post-exile period. And overall, Haggai expresses concern that the Jews are kind of lagging behind in this project and that this is linked to a wider pattern of spiritual apathy in their community. So he calls them back to this common project as a sign of their faithfulness to God and their purpose as his people and the blessings that he's going to bring to them. 
And this first chapter, which I've just read today, you see Haggai laying out the problem to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judea, and to Joshua, the high priest. So it says, in the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai, and he speaks to these people, and he says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. And the, Lord, the word of the Lord comes to Haggai saying, is it time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while this house remains a ruin? So this is a fairly cutting rebuke to Zerubbabel and to Joshua. You know, they'd clearly taken a lot of care and time to rebuild their own homes with all the fittings, all the furnishings that they wanted to be comfortable. But they hadn't gotten around to finishing the temple, the house of the Lord in their city. And I think we can understand how this might have happened. It's very easy when things are a bit hard to get focused on our own immediate concerns and to put up a kind of mental barrier to jobs that need to be done, that are important. Uh, we can become used to the fact even that there's a half-finished construction site somewhere in the town and accept that that's just the way things are. You might think of a vacant lot or a derelict house in your own neighbourhood. After a while, you probably just don't see it anymore or think about what's happening there. I remember when we lived in Diamond Creek in our previous house, uh, there was a house around the corner that was abandoned for years uh, because a hole had opened up under the garage floor. There was a, a gold mine underneath that had collapsed. Um, and we didn't really pay attention to this place after a while until one night when we woke to see it going up in flames. There had been a squatter had accidentally set fire to it. In the same way, uh, Zerubbabel and Joshua and the people of Jerusalem have just gotten used to seeing the empty site of the ruined temple, and they don't long not worried anymore about getting it done. Their own houses are comfortable after all. So Haggai speaks to them about this. And, you know, why is it a problem? Why is it a problem that this is happening? Well, Haggai is really saying that I think the ruin of the temple is a symbol of a spiritual ruin or vacancy at the heart of their community. And that spiritual ruin is actually having effects that flow out into the material and social prosperity of their society. So in verses 5 to 6, now this is what the Lord Almighty says, Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Basically, he's saying because they have not paid attention to the spiritual heart of their city, to the temple of the Lord, this his house, they are experiencing struggle and emptiness. Something's not right. And the promise is that if they rectify that situation, then things will, will go right again. Now, if you're familiar with the Old Testament prophets and how they were received, you might anticipate that, ha that the people would ignore Haggai or that they might even try to kill him. That's what used to happen to the prophets. But surprisingly, as we read and as Anne pointed out, they don't actually do that, the people. They actually listen to him and they decide, oh, yes, we should do something about that. In fact, we read in verse 14 of this chapter, they were so stirred up with enthusiasm about this project and they get to work on it only a couple of weeks after Haggai's first sermon. And that's really encouraging to hear that kind of change. You know, I sometimes take more than a couple of weeks just to get around to mowing the lawn, let alone building a temple. Uh, so, you know, the upshot is, look, they have taken this problem seriously and they're motivated to change their situation. And in later chapters, we see how the message of Haggai develops in light of this. So this is a story 
Haggai's story is about rebuilding, about building a house or really about renovating a house. Lots of us are familiar with this kind of story. Either we've done it ourselves or we've seen other people do it or we've watched reality shows on TV where people renovate houses. But this house, this renovation is a house with a difference. It's the house of God. And it's not just a place for worship, it's the heart of this community. It's a power source for the blessing and prosperity of their life together. What Haggai knew is that if the spiritual heart of a people is right, the whole, their whole lives will be right too. So how do we apply this to ourselves? Because this is what Haggai was saying to the people back then. Just to be clear, we have talked a bit about temples today and seen videos about it, but as Christians, we know we don't place the same value on religious buildings as they did on the temple in the Old Testament. You know, we may love our church building and we may enjoy beautiful cathedrals where people worship, but the house of God is not a building. As the video reminded us from the Bible Project, it's the people of God themselves are the house of God, and it's in the heart of every person that God lives through Jesus. As Jesus tells us, God's spirit lives in us if we follow him. And so Haggai, therefore, is a reminder for us in a concrete way that this is a truth that continues for us now. Our task is to make sure that at the centre of our lives, both individually and as a community, the living presence of God is given priority. Everything else flows from that. And when we ignore that, when we leave it vacant and when we let it come to ruin, as they did in Israel in Haggai's time, that's when we struggle in various ways. We might not even understand. I think we need to be careful not to just think about material or um, prosperity blessings, uh, though, uh, when it comes to that idea. The point is not, I think, that if we honour God, we'll be rich. I don't think Haggai was making that point either. The imagery from Haggai is really about what does it mean to have a truly abundant and satisfying life? that God offers us when he lives with us. So I'd say then that, you know, we can actually look around and see in our own nation, our own community, uh, the wider world, even our own lives, what does it mean, what is the evidence when we're not putting God in the centre of our lives? What is that actually, uh, what are the results of that for us? So if we look around, we do see, I think at the moment, our physical world, our environment is being impacted by this. The fact that we have selfish and ungodly ways of extracting resources and dealing with the precious things in God's creation that he's given to us, our water, our animals, our land. All of those things should flow from God being at the centre, not ourselves. And we can also see division and conflict springing up between people when there's not justice and equality in the way that wealth is shared in our society. People become greedy and some people don't have what they need. We can see homes and families destroyed by abuse and neglect and anger when God is not transforming people within them. And I think the pandemic has actually exposed a lot of those issues for us, which had previously been a bit more hidden behind the comfortable homes that we've been able to build in Australia. It's a bit more obvious now. And all of those things, when we can see them, they're a sign that something's missing at the centre of our lives, so there's a ruin there. So I think what the church is meant to hear from Haggai is that we're not supposed to be like that too. We're supposed to be different, as God's people are. We can't just pay attention to our own immediate needs, our own houses, our own you know, adornment or ornamentation, the panelling you want to put on the outside of our homes, and ignore the fact that we're the house of God too. Haggai is a challenge, I think, to look at what is actually flowing out of our lives. What are the results? How does that show that God is the centre of our life? 
or not? How do we show that the Spirit of God is at the center of us? There's a poignant verse in this chapter, in verse 9, where the Lord says through Haggai, you expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. They were expecting that when they came home, things would be good, but they had a drought of water, a drought of food, a drought of everything good and satisfaction. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. And it's the opposite of what Jesus actually promised would be the case for those who have his spirit in their hearts. For instance, in John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39, he says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and in a loud voice said, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit. So let's remember today that the state of God's house in us, the presence of his spirit, living and dwelling within us, is centrally important. Everything else flows from that. Everything else depends on that. And if we're distracted, if we we put too much sand in of other things first, we'll miss out on the blessings and the central uh, truths that he wants to provide for us. And the greatest blessing that God gives his people actually is his own presence. That's what they were missing out on. After the people of Jerusalem, as we read, recommit themselves to the rebuilding of the temple, Haggai gives them this new message from God. In verse verse 13 it says, Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. I am with you. And there's really no better message that anyone can hear from God than that one. I am with you. We know, don't we, that one of the names that Jesus was given was Emmanuel. It means God is with us. So I I would say as we look at Haggai these next few weeks and we hear about this book that we might not even know, let's listen for those words that God is saying to us. I am with you. And he wants to be with us. That's what this book of Haggai is about. He is with us. And everything that we really, truly desire and need comes from that reality. So let's commit ourselves to building and rebuilding his house within us. Let me say a word of prayer as we continue today. Dear Lord, we thank you for this word from Haggai that you called us to rebuild your house. We pray that we would know that you are with us and that the fruit of it would be shown in our lives and in our community. We pray particularly as we experience emptiness and the need for you now, that you would fill us all with your Holy Spirit. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.